This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Dramatic pause. A dramatic pause says something without saying anything at all. Dramatic pause is a go-to for podcasters, presidents, and radio voiceovers. It makes you look really smart, even if you're not. Feet deserve a go-to like that. Like Hey Do Choose. Light, comfy, good to go to. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Max Cohen and Jan Genes. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 1-0 victory against Hull City on Saturday. We have a ton to talk about in regards to this victory. And guys, as I've been doing lately, let's get started by talking about what Scott Parker shared after the match. Because, again, we have several talking points that I really want to hone in on, and this is going to get us started with the head coach press. I'm going to read this quote to you. And this is Scott Parker after the match, his comments on the Hull City game. This is from the head coach press. You can read it on the phone website. This is Scott Parker. Quote, I thought in the first half we played pretty well. I felt we had a control about us. We worked a lot this week in training to play against the Hull side, who are probably the best counterattacking team in the division. And we limited their counter opportunities very well. Their wide players have vast quality, and we work to nullify that. The second half turned into a typical championship game, which lacked massive quality. If there's one negative for me, it's that it wasn't a vintage Fulham display from us by any stretch of the imagination, but we've learned from our previous game against Hull. Cavallaro's goal was a worthy winner. We dug in and showed massive character, unquote. Okay, so that's going to get us started. Mr. Janaeus, I'm going to go to you because yep. a lot that I've heard, this is the first talking point, is the game plan, the approach of the team in this match. That, again, I've talked a lot about this, and I want your thoughts about this. Sometimes you just play to your strengths and you don't worry about this 
opponent. Well, especially in this match, they set themselves up, as you heard from the quotes from Scott Parker, to stop Hull City, and it worked. They learned from the first time they played them. And honestly, Scott Parker, in my book, deserves praise for how he set the team up and they basically went to his game plan and they executed it. Now, it wasn't a vintage performance, as he said, but it got the result. I want to get your thoughts on the approach of Scott Parker and the fact that the club really played the way he wanted them to play, except that it wasn't a vintage performance. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely great. And, and I'd ask, you know, all our fans, would you rather we went the rest of the season playing in that manner, that gritty man, and got promoted, or, you know, play open and, you know, occasionally foolish and lose a lot of games? I mean, we, they bit us down over the cottage. Um, they, the the, the counter-attack destroyed us. And, um, you know, we were set up to make sure that that wasn't going to happen again. That's and right. it's a very... And it's a very tough place to play up there. I mean, it just is a tough place to play. I, I put on Facebook, I thought it was a superb win in the, in the sense that we've never had much joy up there. Hull are a good side. And um, we needed to be able to, you know, at least be set up so that we nullify what they did. In right. the knowledge, probably, Russ, what was going to happen is we weren't going to create many chances on the on the day. On the day. And that's exactly what happened. It took a lovely goal to finish it, but um, functionally, I thought it was a very good performance from the boys. And uh, and it's, um, you know, we're getting cl- close to where the results are really, really going to count. And I think that part, Scott, he deserves a lot of credit for the way he, he um, was able to, he obviously learned the lessons from the first, our first meeting this year. See, I totally agree with that, Giannis. And that's where I wanted to start. And I'm glad that we could really look at the comments from him because it, it plays out Again, what we're talking about here, learning from what happened in the first match and the team executing the game plan and also Parker learning from him and his staff, figuring out a new game plan that would work this time. He set them up and it worked and it wasn't pretty. I'm not going to say it's pretty, but you're going on the road. It's a tough team and you get all three points. Listen, if we're going to criticize him when they lose or Again, they don't get the result we want. We should be praising him when the team executes the way that I think they wanted him to, and you get all three points. So I have to give him credit here. Max, I want to get your thoughts on what I'm talking about and also what Yana shared and, of course, the comments of Scott Parker. Do you agree with us? 100%. I think, as Yana said, I'd take you know a gritty win every single match for the rest of the season rather than playing really pretty football, but losing. You know, that's that's kind of a basic sort of trade-off that I think any supporter would take because it's about winning at this point in the season. It, it is worrying that it wasn't a vintage performance, but, you know, as you guys said, away at Hull is a place we've always struggled at. If I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's our first win in this stadium ever. So we never travel well up there um, to Yorkshire. And the thing is, I think Parker does credit. A big tactical adjustment in this match was starting Dennis Adoy over Joe Bryan at left back. And, and that's a guts because Bryan was a player who kind of had that position under wraps. No one really saw it under threat, but I think it's clear that his form has dipped in recent weeks. He, he played actually left wing against Villa, but it seems like Adoy has that left back position under wraps. I think that's a really good sign. It shows Parker is not is willing to maybe sacrifice a player who's had a dip in form. It might be unpopular with the fans and with the team, 
But as he said in his post-match comments, Adoy handled Bowen superbly. And Bowen's one of the best counterattacking uh, wingers in the division, I would say. So that was excellent. And I think playing Kevin McDonald in center midfield, again, someone who hasn't started the match in a very long time, might, might have been his first start since the Barnsley match, first game this season. McDonald, I think, has looked off the pace much this season, but I'd say that decision also paid off. So you kind of look at selection, you know, drafting Alfie Mawson, having yep. Reem and Hector as a back four. I look at this as actually a very well-selected uh, starting 11. I think Parker does credit for that. I totally agree there, Max. And to go along with this, because we're talking about getting the three points, so I want to now focus on another part of his comments that go with this, but also I'm going to give another layer to it. It's entitled On Grinding Out Results. Here's some more quotes from Scott Parker from the head coach presser. Max, right back to you. Quote, our aim is to continue picking up as many points as we can. Saying that, we realize how tough the division is. We've shown how brilliant we are at times this season, and on the flip side, we've been a little inconsistent. Today wasn't the game where we'll come away and think we were brilliant, but we got the result and showed another side to us, which was key. We are where we are. The team's still relatively young, and we need to keep building. Ultimately, we need to grind out results, and we've done that. We've got to keep picking up points. There are a few teams in and around it, but we've got to worry about ourselves. I need to keep banging home what we need to do in this division to win points and try to get promoted, unquote. Okay, Max, back to you again. This goes to the theme of basically full winning, ugly, grinding out results. But I also want to throw another, as I mentioned, layer to this. It's the approach at the end of the match is getting extremely defensive, bringing on defenders. And I was going back and forth with some Fulham supporters. I understand why they're frustrated because the approach basically being, puts more pressure onto Fulham, but they're seeing these matches out. And I've had another fan say, well, listen, the, the proof is really that, that they are getting, they are seeing it out. They are getting the results out of it. What are your thoughts about what Scott Parker should? And then, of course, the approach at the end of these matches it's working, but it really does make us nervous. I, well, does it make you nervous? I know it makes me nervous, but it's working. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we almost conceded that, you know, 95th minute equalizer, right? That's uh, right. Side flag saved us, and it was clearly, clearly offside. It was the correct decision. But, hey, that's nervy. And, you know, I saw um, something on Twitter, which was essentially saying, Fulham, we never make it easy for ourselves. And we're almost allergic to seeing out matches without having – this heart and mouth final five minutes. And that's not healthy. It's probably knocking five years off my life with all the stress. Um, and I'm sure other fans feel the same way. But you're right. I, when I think of it, anecdotally, I cannot think of many matches this season where we've necessarily thrown something away from a winning position or, or when we're tied. Of the losses I can think of, it's when we've gone down and actually we've thrown everything, including the kitchen sink, at the match to get an equalizer or get a winner. It's more often we're chasing lost causes than letting you know a lead slip. So anecdotally, I think it's working, but you're right. It's I don't know if it's sustainable because <laughs> at some point those goals go in and you won't maybe get so lucky with two players standing you know, five yards offside at the final corner like happened on Saturday. Right. But again, I think it goes back to the general point of grinding out results and Parker is realizing that he needs to adapt to different situations. And that's why I was really pleased um, in an odd kind of way about the performance on Saturday because it showed he realizes we can't play that passing out of the back style, maybe as pretty as we'd like to, at every single ground in the division. And when we talk about the goal, 
I'm sure we'll talk about how the goal came about. Sure. It's not from a 55, you know, pass sequence with a lovely cut back and finish, which maybe we would have liked. But actually, it's Tim Ream playing the ball forward up to uh, Cavalero. And, you know, it came from a long ball, essentially. And right. of course, Knockard picks it up, hits off Bobby Reed and falls Cavalera for the finish. But the initial move is a lofted through ball. And that is something I wouldn't necessarily seen from Parker, you know, just on Boxing Day, when we can see those terrible goals against Luton, that was passing out of the back to a fault. So in that kind of vein, I think he's showing that he knows how to switch it up. And we also saw a slight switch of play when he played Leeds at home. That's right. So, yeah, it's not pretty all the time, but I like that he's adapting. I can accept that from the coach. I'm glad that you brought up the Leeds match because I was thinking the same thing. Different approaches both ended up in three points for Fulham because he was adapting his team to play against the opponent. And uh, sometimes I think he just sets Fulham up to play the way he wants Fulham to play. In other matches, this is just my opinion, he sets them up to stop the opponent and play against the opponent. And this match and the Leeds-United match, I think, are two examples of that. Over to you, Giannis. I want to get your thoughts on all this because, uh, again, I've heard from some uh, friends of mine complaining about the style of play, complaining about how Fulham set up so defensively in the end. And I understand that because uh, it makes me nervous, but it's effective as we're talking about here. What, what are your thoughts about this approach at the end of the match and also just in it, just the, the approach in general of trying to grind out results? Well, I, I can understand the fans' angst, but who knows the players better than the manager? So he set them up in the last 10, 15 minutes. Okay, so he's done his substitutions to close shop. It's not like we're a man city and bring, you know, we can bring, you know, these incredible players on that can, can just create chances and score goals at will. We can't. We don't necessarily, we didn't necessarily have, you know, it's, it was a good bench, but he utilized the, the, the players on the bench that could do, do that job, Alfie, Joe, and, uh, and Harry Arda. And um, I think this is a sign of a coach who's becoming more comfortable with his players that understands you're going to have different scenarios coming along depending on the teams that you're playing against. And then you've got to adjust accordingly. It may not be pretty. Four shots on net in, a, in the game is not going to look pretty. But God forbid, if we bought, you know, if we bought Kearney on and Steph Joe and suddenly they equalised, then the fans would be all over Scott about he doesn't know what to do. Would you rather take the three points ugly and shot, shot. Yeah, there's always a chance they're going to score a 35-yard worldly. But it's the championship. Anything can happen. But, you, you know, it's, I don't even think it's taking a chance. You're just going more defensively, and you, you're hoping to shut shot, and you're restricting the chances, and, and, and that's how it goes. And sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't. But Scott's in the position where he knows his players, and he's got the comfort level with who's on the bench, and who he can bring on to do that sort of job. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you know, we can't. Fans, you can't be all. We're not. We're not a Man City. We're not a Liverpool. You know, we don't have players. Our squad are filled with players that can do multi. You know, play multi multi positions that can do brilliant, brilliant things. We don't. And that's why I was delighted that he picked Kevin McDonald because I thought that was a really brave move. But that is a sign of faith in his club captain. Right. And said, I need you to do a job. Can you can you do a job for me, um, and help us out here in the centre of the park. And ordinarily, we, we probably would have laughed if we knew it was going to be, you know, he, Anoma, and Dekadova read in the center of the park, but it worked. We got the result. We got three points. We stayed in fourth. 
And I'm sure that it's a really confidence-building win because it's away at a place where notoriously we have uh, we have nightmares. Completely agree, Giannis. It has to be a complete confidence motivator moving forward because this team beat Fulham on the counter so badly the first time at Craven Cottage, and now you've basically flipped it on them. It has to just boost the confidence of of the players and also the belief in Parker. I, you know, again, I think honestly, you could take so much out of this victory. I'm glad that you saw this as a huge victory for Fulham because I do too, and uh, I don't understand. I I get it on some level why fans are disappointed with the style of play. I get all that, but don't we want them to win first? I want them to win. I, I don't care if it's ugly yeah. because yeah, ugly in, in some ways builds character. And I think this is all part of it. They can play attractive football, but in certain situations, it's good to know they can play like this and win at a difficult place and get a little revenge on Hull City. I can't stand Hull City. So I'm, I enjoyed yeah. this for 48 hours. And in fact, let's call it 72 hours. I've enjoyed this because I can't stand that side. So any way we won it, I didn't care. And I'm glad that they found a way to win. Okay, yep. final talking point before we really break down this match, guys. We have to talk about Alexander Mitrovic. Again, uh, he went down several times during the match. And uh, what kind of use did that for Mitrovic? This is different. This was an injury. And we just have to hope that this isn't really – uh, bad. I mean, it looked bad, and I haven't seen any update on it. Maybe you guys have, but this is something that we're going to have to watch, and the team's going to have to adjust with life without Mitro. We just don't know how long at this point. So, Max, over to you. Thoughts when you saw the injury to Mitrovic, and uh, how do you feel about it now? It didn't look good, Russ. Um, and actually, the whole city fans giving him a load of abuse was honestly pretty disgusting. A uh, similar thing happened when, you know, Piazon broke his leg at, at Leeds. Oh, that was hard. Everyone, yeah, Evan Eleanor booed him. I wouldn't, of course, not the same level of, I'd say, severity of injury, but still same type of um, poor fan behavior. You know, never like to see that. And yeah, Mitro likes to rile up fans. But you never boo a player when he's clearly injured. You know, looking at the match, it was so clear he was limping on that like, left ankle. He wasn't favoring any weight on it. It looked kind of like a classic sprained ankle. Don't know how bad it is. And as, you know, many of Remarked, full in this season, have been very, very tight-lipped about any sort of injuries. Um, maybe I'm going to connect that to a wider point. Uh, you know, there's, you know, Ryan O'Donovan is no longer doing the coverage. Football. Yeah. London isn't doing that because when the championship now, I'm going to say there's no real beat reporter who's no. focusing on Fulham. And when that kind of journalism goes away, sadly, the club is not, you know, responsive to fans' needs. And, and that's kind of the pressing fact of, you know, modern life, modern media. When there's not that one person asking questions at each press conference, the club just doesn't have to answer. So there's been, of course, no public statement of how long Mitro's been out for. Remember Harry Arter, we had no idea what was going on with him. Similarly with you know Stephen Sessegno, and we keep hearing little updates, but nothing really official. So right now I can't really speak to it because I don't know how long he'll be out for. Um, but of course, it's a big loss. But again, it's a big opportunity for someone like Jay Stansfield. Absolutely. I'm thinking the same superb. thing. But he's not ready, I don't think, to lead a, lead a championship team just yet but no but he, he might be able to play a part for sure for sure okay over to you Giannis. thoughts on Mitro? i'm glad that max brought up this point and he, of course he's thinking this way because he could be a writer someday is that we don't have that beat writer 
who is keeping the team accountable. So we don't get any information. No one's asking the questions. So it's difficult. We don't get the information on injuries. It's even harder now. And fans are complaining. I'm seeing it. And they have a right to complain. But there's no one covering the team on a regular basis like Ryan O'Donovan. We miss Ryan O'Donovan. And yeah. uh, it's it's unfortunate because we're not getting the information. So I, I wanted to say that. But I want to get your thoughts on the Metro injury. Well, I mean, if it, if it, I mean, it looks like ankle ligament trouble. If it's a sprain, it will be you know, two to three weeks. If it's even, you know, I know that the medical staff at Fulham is excellent, so that's not something that's a worry. If it's more extensive, it doesn't sound like it's going to be surgery, but uh, it'll be an extended period of time. And then the question becomes, you know, two weeks left in the transfer deadline. Um, do we have enough strikers? The question, the answer is, I believe yes, but do we have enough? strikers that can score goals so let's go back to the Villa game in the cup um, when Mitra didn't play and uh, you know are there players that can ordinarily fill in now does I don't, I'm not sure Kevin McDonald plays on Friday against Borough uh, I think he, I think you'll probably get Stefan Johansson coming you've got Kearney sitting on the bench interestingly enough now this is proof positive in terms of the lineups that we don't need Kearney in that starting line that's a very good point um, and I yeah and I hollered on about this because I don't think I really think she's a, I, th- I think if you've got a gravy player I'm not a, a gravy player that can really turn a game in a sixpence but do it consistently I mean, you know, the person or the player I'm thinking of well, if it was I'd say it was a David Silver but someone like James Madison yep. it's not too dissimilar elk uh, who worked very very hard at defensively as well as offensively as well so now you look got to look at your squad I know that Boo Boo's out with an ankle injury so mm-hmm. Um, in terms of transfer deadline, do we look for someone that can come in, a big guy that can go up front and hold the ball up and score goals ugly? Um, I was actually, Max stole my thunder because when I looked, I'm looking at this now, and I wouldn't be too I wouldn't be even remotely surprised if Stansfield starts on Friday, simply because this kid has scored goals for fun. And um, and he's, the, the, the Fulham bars are very, very high on him. And he's had just a, a tumultuous and seismic season. They might just throw him out and say, go, go, lad, go, go, go have fun, go and play, see what happens. You know, welcome to the big boys. And in the meantime, maybe buy a better time for the brass to bring in a striker because we clearly need one now. Um, and there are players out there that are not getting playing time in the Premier League that could do the job that Mutra does. And we really need someone who can score goals. And I don't say consistently, and that's the one thing we'll miss about Mutra. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. De Cordova-Ree could always push up front in some capacity if you, Stefan Johansson comes in and Scotty plays with the formation a little bit. Harry Art obviously came off the bench. Uh, you've also got Joe Bryan that could be used as a winger as well. Maybe the possibility of using uh, Cavaliero as a, a false 10 or maybe as, you know, as a, as a, a de facto centre-forward centre because he does have some pace. So I think we've got some options. I think we need more. But the Mitro loss is, I don't think, as big as we think. I think we've got players. I think we need maybe a couple more. But I think that this team is versatile enough to work around it. Um, but but he is a loss, nonetheless. Okay. Excellent there, Giannis. Very good stuff. Okay. Coming up, I'm going to ask the guys their thoughts on the starting 11 and the 18 overall. Then we're going to break down the match, and we'll end with talking about the stats and, of course, man of the match.
Okay, guys, quickly, let's talk about the starting 11 and 18 overall. Max, you've already had some comments on it. Anything else you want to add about the starting 11? You were talked about the move to start Dennis Adoy. Any other thoughts on it? Yeah, just one last thing I'd say. People were kind of heartened to see uh, Decodova Reed, Cavalera, Mitro, and Knockout all on the pitch at the same time. That kind of seemed like some our best four attacking players. And we can fit them all in the lineup. I think that's a bonus. And then the other thing I'd say, you know, no Bettinelli on the bench. It seems as if he will be leaving in January. You have Magnus uh, Norman filling in. Just another thing to look out for with transfers. Okay, excellent. Giannis, your thoughts? Same, actually. Norman not on the bench. I, I, I didn't have a problem with the lineup. Good to see my good old friend Dennis Odoir <laughs> in the lineup. Just, I just like saying Odoir instead of Odoir. Just because okay. it sounds funny. Um, and, you know, Cyrus, another uh, game on right back. Hector, of course, making his first uh, full league debut. And, of course, the, qu- the question mark was going to be, was it Tim Ream or, or Alfie that was going to make way? And it was it was Alfie, and that's fine. Solid, really. I mean, no complaints, a different formation with a different lineup. And it's just, with Kevin McDonald in the lineup, I think that the lineup was probably set four or five days previous to the team new. I mean, Kevin wouldn't have been, you know, Tapped on the shoulder on Friday. Come on, lad. Come on, lad. You're playing a foothold. It would have been the, um, you know, this is going to be your job. You've got time to prepare for it. This is what we're going to try and counter. This really is going to have to be a team effort for us to get anything up there. And um, so, you know, for that, I mean, for those reasons, the lineup worked to a T and we got what we needed to get. That was three points. Absolutely. Okay. Great stuff. All right, guys. Let's talk about the first half. Not much going on, except I want to talk about, obviously, the goal. So let's focus on that. And, uh, Janos, I'll go back to you. I'll give you the honors of talking about the goal from Cavalero. Max already talked a little bit about it. This wasn't a you know, a real build-up goal, but it actually just eventually got to him, landed on his foot, and he does what he does. He scores goals like this. So let's talk about the match winner in the 29th minute. I thought we got a little bit of, got a little bit of luck here um, from this one. It was a superb finish, but it was the long clearance from Rodak, and Noki's gone. I don't think it was particularly smart. He, he sort of tried to go between two defenders, and it, there wasn't much of a gap because there was cover, and the ball sort of broken off. It looked like it broke off one of the, de- the defenders, and it fell to it fell to Caballero, and he just needed one touch. It was a very simple finish, but. But um, George Long in that was absolutely rooted to the spot. He didn't. He didn't move. And that's been, I think, the third goal he scored like that this year. Is obviously something he's been perfecting. I think uh, the, not just a super goal, but the fact that um, now teams are going to wisen up to it should open up space and options uh, in the box. Um, it was. It was. It was. A, it was a lovely finish, and um, that's the third consecutive goal we've scored. You know, including you know the um, uh, the Noki and Harry goals against Villa, three worldies. Absolutely, like, I can deal with those any any day. Really. <laughs> um, for, for sure, I still can't get over that Harry Arter one. That was an absolute. Fit. And but of course, it wasn't. And Max, obviously, you'll know this, but the goal of the decade was. Oh, like, I know the goal of the decade. Oh my God! I mean, you you can't vote for any goals. I mean, that was ridiculous. Python Kasami doing his Ajit thing. Kasami. Yep. What a bloody goal that was. Um, I, if I remember, my friend Senderhorst scored a goal in that game as well. Um, he did. But, 
after that, I mean, you know, I think we looked pretty safe and and, and um, we knew it was going to be, you know, a, a tough, rough affair and scrappy, and that's what it turned out to be. And you ask any coach at that level, any level, what's the best result they could ever have? It's a one nothing. They love one nothing because you kept a shutout. You that's right. Yeah. I mean, five fours are entertaining for the fans, but they drive both sets of managers batty. One nothing is great. You know, it's. Um, and that's where I think we need to improve a little bit in terms of defensive and Hector's going to help and uh, lots of co- um, confidence going going forward with the next game coming up on Friday. Absolutely. Good stuff there, Giannis. Max, over to you because uh, I've wanted Giannis to talk about the goal, but when we talk about the first half, you look at both goalkeepers besides the goal, neither goalkeeper, and we could pretty much talk about for the majority of the match, obviously Rodak had the huge save at the end. Didn't have much to do, and both teams just were nullifying each other. There wasn't much going on, but again, I think this goes back. What we watched, especially in the first half, was Scott Parker's game plan. The players played it, and that's why Halsey were not able to do what they wanted to do. They they wanted to play this counterattacking style. Fulham took it away, and I think you saw that in the first half. Agreed. Um... You could look at it one way. It was grim. It's definitely grim. But we also, you're right, we nullified them and we counteracted the two sides. You know, there wasn't much in way of uh, attacking opportunities. You know, right, the goal was the only real moment of note, I'd say, in that first half. But, you know, when we're winning, like, in this type of manner, as we discussed you know, in the first couple minutes of the show, always brings me back to something that actually Mike Gregg said when we were doing the post-match show for that Swansea City win. And that yep. was, I think, our fourth win in a row, you know, back in late November. And that was at a point when everyone was getting very excited about this team. We climbed up the table. We're on a great run. But Mike said something about, you know, when your man of the match is your goalkeeper and you're not playing great, what did that say about the actual, you know, sense of, well, it's the actual vibe around the team. Is it a positive right. vibe? And, of course, right after that Toronto City match, the form dipped. I think we lost three in a row. And the real Parker out grumble started to, come up you know so is the question now is this win similar to that Swansea City game where you know it's it's three points sure it's close sure but it's not actually indicative of the team getting better or are we turning a corner and becoming more streetwise I think it's tough to say you know I want to be optimistic and lean towards we're becoming more streetwise we can adapt we can play away from home but when we don't win convincingly and when there's not necessarily a great attacking performance it's always tough to say Right, but here's my counter to all that, and I wanted to use that word, that I understand what you're talking about, the Swansea City match, but they were able to create a ton of opportunities. Hull City didn't. That, to me, is is the philosophical difference here. That's a great point. So I think the defense here, and we've got a clean sheet on Saturday. So that's a good cause for optimism because once you can restrict chances, I'll take that over kind of a freewheeling game where we can see it. Right, and again, this is a tough place to play. We've already talked about it, and uh, they don't give extra points for style, guys. You know, it, yeah. you don't get an extra point. You don't all of a sudden get, get four points for playing, you know, attractive football. You can't have. I, I'm sorry, you can't have it both ways. You know, yes, can you play attractive football and win? Of course you can, but winning to me is the ultimate. Elixir, you need the points, and I don't care how you get it. Honestly, that's just my point on that. And that 
will lead us to talk about the second half because the second half, listen, Hull City were better in the second half, but I want to go right to the opportunity that they had near the end of the match. Mark Rodak makes a save, really, the only save that he really needed to make in this match. Now, they were more dangerous in the second half, guys. But, Giannis, I want to go to you because I, I want to talk about how Fulham saw this match out. We already talked about the substitutions and uh, how that can basically bring pressure on Fulham. But they did see the match out. And even though, you know, again, Hull City fans could probably complain about what happened at the end, but they had two, potentially three players offside. So the goal doesn't count. But Fulham see the match out. So I want to get your thoughts on how Fulham ended the match. Yeah, it's funny you talk, talk about the two or three players offside and, and uh, you know, has it been a week this season in the Premier League where we haven't seen some sort of controversy with the VAR? Right. Um, which has been an absolute disaster. Scotty's made the decision he's decided to bring Alfie, Joe and, and Harry on. Okay, and that's, uh, you know, that's that's a, that's a, his behest and, and that's fine. And the ultimate objective is to see the game out. And, um, and he's achieved that objective. It's not a matter of how you achieve it. This is, you know, we've got to remember that fans have to remember this is a results-oriented business, whether you're Liverpool or you're bottom of League Two. You know, it's it's about getting results. Results can mean the difference between um, relegation, promotion, losing a job as a manager, contracts being renewed, contracts not being renewed, loans, etc., etc. So if you're winning, Nobody's going to be complaining. And uh, I would take this as a coach any day of the week. I want nothing um, over some of the, you know, the scatty results we have had and the scatty performances. One of the criticisms against our boys, I think, is that, you know, our style is, is, is fun and engaging to watch, but are we disciplined enough defensively to be able to play 90 minutes against the best teams and be able to compete at that sort of level? Now, I go back to the game against West Brom at home at Craven Cottage where we really should have got the result and we let it slip. And as, you know, the 17, 18, whatever games left, we're going to have games where it's going to be, uh, we're going to, we still have to play West Brom, you know, uh, up at, you know, up at uh, the Hawthorns. We still have to, um, we still have to go up to Allen Road. We still have to play Brent Fodder at, at home. We unbelievably, have to play Millwall at home, and Millwall have come from nowhere to come flying up the table like gazelles. You know, there's some very, very good teams out there, and we're going to have a lot of one-goal games. So this is going to be more of the norm, and um, I think it's a good thing. And if we can grind one result out, we can grind two, three, four, five. So it's a positive result, and I think the the guys will learn from experience. And it's going to enhance uh, Scott's reputation as a coach, and it's going to help in his development. Because really, you learn who you are and how you're doing as a coach in the close games. If you get beaten five nothing, it's a hammering. Right. If you win five nothing, it's a hammering. But you know, you're, you're really none the wiser. But it's the tight games where you learn who your players are and what you do and your coaches. So, credit to Scotty and the boys. Um, it was a very, very big win, I believe. And uh, hopefully, we don't, uh, you know, stop our own toes against Middlesbrough on Friday. But Middlesbrough, to me, are an odd team. That's another story for another day. But they're an odd team. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy, but I'm sure that this result last week is going to at least uh, wake the boys up uh, ready for that. 
Totally agree, Yannis. And I'm glad that you brought up the West Braun match because that was uh, an example of uh, not seeing a match out and uh, dropping points. And you played well. You played good football, but you walked away with only a point. Sheffield Wednesday didn't see the match out. Another match where Fulham should have won the match. Two matches. Now you flip it and you are grinding out results and getting all three points. Maybe they are learning from their mistakes. So that, yep. to me, is a positive to take out of this Hall City match. Not just this one. There have been other matches like this. And uh, it might not look pretty, but I'll take all three points. All right, guys. Let's finish up by looking at the full-time stats. And then, of course, the man of the match. Let's start with the full-time stats. Possession 57% to 43% in favor of Fulham. Total shots 10-4 to 4 in favor of Hall City. Fulham only had one shot on target. Hall City had two. Corners were even at two. Crosses were, were even at nine apiece. That, that's a story in itself. Passing accuracy. Fulham were not at 80 or above where they're normally at. They were at 76%, which is an indicator of what type of match this was. Hall City were at 67%. Let's finish up with fouls. 12 to 10 in favor of Hall City. Mr. Cohen, what stands out to you from the full-time stats besides the result? Well, it's a result-based stat, but, you know, one shot, one shot on target. Sorry, sorry, one shot on target, one goal. You know, that's that's all you need. I mean, that's, 100%. that's ridiculous. I, I, we all kind of knew it, but just saying it out loud and hearing it read out, our only shot on target was our goal. That's right. just so clinical, but also shows how little was in this game in terms of attack and flair yep. and quality in the final third. But we'll take it. We will take it. Absolutely. Totally agree. Mr. Janais, how about you? One shot on target. You always love those games. One shot, one goal, three points. Talk about absolute efficiency. Um, I mean, it's, it's you're not going to win pretty every week. Sometimes no. you don't win pretty any week. But this is a kooky, crazy division this year. I mean, um, if you said to me three weeks ago, Millwall would be a point off the playoff spots, you'd have said I was crazy. And right now, this division is looking is is absolute mental. It's mental. So you're going to get a lot of games where you're just going to have to grind it out, and you're going to have to just you know keep it tight, and it won't be great. And mind you, and and in the same added congratulations and huge shout out to the Fulham fans that went up to the KCRM yeah. Stadium on Saturday. I don't like Hull as a team. I don't like them as a club. I don't even like the city of Hull to shit on. Um, you know, honestly, I mean, now that now that um, Megan, Megan, and uh, Harry and Archie are coming to Canada, yeah, um, I think we could do maybe do a trade deal, do a three-way trade. We could send Hull to Antarctica for a fourth-round draft pick and future consideration. It's one of those spots. If I, I mean, I look at the division and places that. Um, you know, places where I just go, oh, my God, like Birmingham, what a rotten city that is. Um, Cardiff, oh, Lordy, have mercy on our soul. Um, oh, and, of course, there's Brent Fodder. I right. Mean, yeah, the, the exploding stadium, we might as well do. Oh, and Luton, there's another one. And, of course, Max, you know all about that. I mean, no, I love it. I've read a book about still, Luton away. You're still traumatized, probably, by going to Luton, <laughs> no. Kenilworth Road. My favorite ground. I think Fulham should do a ground share with them, actually. (laughs) That is, it is, 
it is the second worst ground I've ever been to. The worst ground I ever went to was when Wimbledon used to play out. No, no, no. Actually, it wasn't Wimbledon. That was the third. The worst one was Aldershot. Now, that was a poo hole. You had one toilet, in a, one toilet for the home supporters and one for the away. And it was just r- rancidly horrible. Just an <laughs> awful place. Awful. Anyways, okay. you've got a hole, and that's a long journey, and it's a difficult place to get up to. And I know a lot of fans didn't get yep. until the early hours in the morning. So bless their little cotton socks. And that's why... You know, those are the spots where you're going to have to grind out the points to, to be where you can be. And let's not forget, West Brom, you know, the results are now bidding and beginning to turn a little. We're only seven points behind Weeds and uh, eight points behind West Brom. Still 19 games to go. So there's a long way to go and a lot's going to change. Totally agree, Yannis. And uh, I have not liked Hall City. I want to say it, it goes all the way back to the 2008 season when they – beat us at Craven Cottage. Then there were all these crazy results. Uh, Josie Altador, a uh, player you know very mm. well, diver, yes. sorry, I hate to say it, against yeah. Hull. And there have been these terrible results against Hull City. I've never liked this side, and uh, it couldn't happen to a better club that we beat them. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say. So, But, guys, let's finish up by talking about man of the match. Mr. Janais, who's your man of the match? I'm torn on this one, you know. I'm torn on this one because ordinarily I'd say the uh, I'm Caballero. I thought yep. he worked his socks off, scored a fantastic goal, um, you know. And um, obviously the new, you know, with the, the permanent signing, his boy, his confidence is a great, great signing for us. I'm going to go out to left field here. I'm going to give it to Rodak because really? of that one save. Yes, because of that one save. I think. Games are about, it's 90 minutes, but it, let's be honest, it's about moments. Uh, you know, I, I like to, for example, in hockey circle, you can make 50 saves in a game, but it's the it's when you really need the save that does it. And Rodak time and time again has done it. He had done it, he did it again on Saturday. And um, and it's meant a shift, a changing of the guard, because Betts is on his way out now. He's And, and I don't blame Betts. I, don't know, I mean, I hope it's ending out alone where he can play every game. Good for him. We've got Magnus Norman obviously back up. But Rodak made that late save and, you know, it would have been devastating if we dropped two more points, you know. Um, so you've got to have the value of a keeper, a good keeper. And um, I, listen, yesterday I was watching Villa against Man City and City won 6-1. And, uh, the, Villa had a kid called Nyland in there. They just signed actually Pepe Reina today. Yep, saw that. Um, but uh, Nyland was his first game in the Premier League, and bless his little cotton socks. You know, he let a couple of soft ones in, and it, and, it, and the value of goalkeeping cannot be, you know, it cannot be underestimated. Sure. So, but that one save alone, I'd, and it was because it was that moment at that time. I'll give it to Rodak. Okay, Max, how about you? I'm going to go with Cavallero, as you know, Giannis was was grappling with. It wasn't a great game by him, but I think the reason we have someone like him in a team on a permanent basis is because of those moments of quality. They're going to be matches, as we've seen this year, when very little separates the two sides. And what gives you the three points is an individual who can produce a moment of brilliance. And he's actually, that's quite a habit of those goals. It's his second straight league game in a row with a curler from the left side of the box to, you know, the far right-hand corner. He did it against Reading, you know, when it was too little too late. But I, I just... Cavalier for me is a fascinating player because, yes, we signed him for around 15 million pounds, I think it is, which is a lot of money. You know, one of our biggest signings, one of the biggest signings, I think, in the championship. And 
he's someone who, when we brought him in the summer on loan, it was a great move. And I think he started out quite well. But he wasn't even a guaranteed starter. I, don't, I still don't think he's a guaranteed starter week in, week out. He was dropped um, against Reading. I think against Stoke, when he came on early, he was pretty poor. He's been inconsistent. But if you can conjure up these finishes, and that's the nature of wingers, inconsistent players. But the quality he has, and that goal, I mean, the way the kid didn't even move was just top class. So for that, I'll give him the man of the match. And hopefully this can be a kickboard for him to become more consistent because we've placed our faith in him in a monetary standpoint. And I think we know he can produce his brilliance. It's just when he produces it. Okay, excellent. That's a good point. So it's funny, Ross. Max, that's a, you, you raised a very good point there about the money. I think we're overpaid for him. I really, I really do. I, to me, he's not a 15 a million lot. pound bloke. Yeah. No, I, I was very surprised. I, getting him, yes. Um, but that much money to drop to the championship? Nah. I think Wolves having a, I think Wolves had a bit of a laugh there at our expense. I don't think he's what you're doing. He's not 15 million quality. Because if he's 15 million, where does that put Mitro? I mean, yeah. you'd have to say Mitro would be probably triple that, 45. Would we get 45 from Mitro? I, I thought... You know, unless Tony's in a good mood and and uh, Daddy's saying, "Well, you can open up the checkbook," <laughs> then fifteen million's okay. But but I think that's a lot of money to pay for him, especially as you said, Max. You've got to have that level of consistency, and I don't think we've seen that from Caviero. He scored some great goals, but fifteen million for a championship yeah. uh, for a player that we got on loan initially, so he wasn't good enough for Wolves. Walt but if, oh, it's a to me, it's a dicey one. Um, I hope I'm proved wrong on this one. And I hope it doesn't mean that it's not going to free up funds to buy other reinforcements. I know there's a lot going on in the background about the Seri thing. Um, you know, we've been offered, what, 11, 12 million by Leon, and we want more money. Um, but um, we're going to have to pick up a couple of players now to, to help us move forward. And I just hope that 15 million isn't going to, you know, break our bank in terms of acquisitions for two weeks to go. Okay, well, I think it also opens up a, a slot for a loan. So I think that's also a good thing, Yana. So we yeah, shall see. We shall yeah, see how, how it all plays out. Good stuff by the two of you. But, guys, let's wrap up this show. We're going to have more coverage, obviously, in the upcoming week when we break down the Middlesbrough match. But it is time to go. For Yana Shanaeus and Max Cohen, I'm Russ Cohen. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.